Hi, welcome back to Newman on Tap Presents. I'm Ron Snyder, your host, and we are preparing for the fifth Sunday of Lent, looking at the sermon, Tears of Christ at the Grave of Lazarus. That will be this Sunday's Gospel. I have a very special guest uh, with us today. It's Peter Dows, and Peter represents why I am doing this project. I met Peter virtually through Newman on Tap, our Monday gathering, and the true purpose of this project is to introduce others to the thought and life of St. John Henry Newman. So let us begin in prayer, and this is from Newman's Meditations and Devotions, a section titled The Forty Days Teaching, Section 1, The Kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Give me, O my Lord, that purity of conscience, which alone can receive, which alone can improve thy inspirations. My ears are dull, so that I cannot hear thy voice. My eyes are dim, so I cannot see thy tokens. Thou alone can quicken my hearing and purge my sight and cleanse and renew my heart. Teach me, like Mary, to sit at thy feet and to hear thy word. Give me that true wisdom which seeks thy will by prayer and meditation, by direct intercourse with thee, more than by reading and reasoning. Give me the discernment to know thy voice, A link to Newman's Meditations and Devotions is found on the website, along with other sources to learn more about St. John Henry Newman. Well, welcome, Peter Dodds, and we are eager to talk about the sermon today, Tears of Christ at the Grave of Lazarus, and you come to us from Casper, Wyoming, and Golden, Colorado. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Peter, how you came to know Newman on tap, and how you came to know Newman. Well, thanks, Ron. Uh, glad to be with you. So, Newman on Tap, I was uh, introduced to Newman on Tap by my good friend, Mark Patridge, and he suggested that uh, I might enjoy spending one night a week talking about uh, John Henry Newman. Uh, I had not been exposed to uh, John Henry Newman until Newman on Tap, and have found it very encouraging, very uplifting uh, his, uh, his, his way with words, uh, coming at the, the story of Christ and the Catholic church's place in the world through, you know, erudition rather than just, you know, simplicity, uh, and, and the eloquence of his writing and the insights that he gives. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, Ron, not only your leadership, but the engagement we have on those weekly calls where, you know, you're looking at things uh, yourself ahead of time, uh, but the insights and the stories that are shared that help illuminate more of what uh, you know, John Henry Newman is uh, trying to convey in these in these wonderful sermons, uh, it is it is uh, you know, kind of that thing that you know we all want from the standpoint of getting to know our God and Christ and and quite frankly each other better. And uh, so I find it very. Uh, very fulfilling from that perspective and very challenging uh, to, uh, you know, look at and discern your own faith and, and listen to other people's stories and, you know, listen to uh, a, a saint who put uh, things very eloquently that, you know, lays out a, a pretty darn good model on uh, what it means to be a good Christian. 
you can uh, discern and and come to know Christ. Uh, you know, not just a you know a, a simple uh, childlike faith, but also through you know uh, contemplative and erudition, uh, looking at the, the the church's fathers and and uh, you know tracing the lineage back to those times and doing it in a very you know, a cerebral way as, as well as through the heart. I mean, that that's, that uh, appeals to me uh, quite quite a bit. I also am being humbled at, at uh, how much, uh, you know, the, the rest of Newman on Tap, other people are, are experts, they're scholars, and, you know, their, their willingness to share and, and uh, evangelize, uh, for want of a better word, evangelize, uh, what uh, St. John Harry Newman uh, has has brought to the world and clarity uh, around that, uh, I find also, you know, compelling the the, the clarity, you know, in, in Newman's holiness. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's never any doubt, and that is uh, so foundational and so uplifting uh, that you know God's presence in in our, our in our in our world. Uh, I sure saw a lot of that here. What did you think of the sermon? You know, loved it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the the two words Jesus wept uh, is maybe the shortest uh, verse in the Bible. But you know, some things. You know, obviously, have heard the story uh, many times before. Heard this the this uh, gospel uh, passage many times before. Uh, but you know, some 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 ways that uh, you know Newman approached it. You know, really. Yeah, I opened up my perspective with respect to, you know, is this the last miracle that Jesus performed before he entered uh, entered Jerusalem? And that that word picture that he had, uh, that mental image uh, that, you know, Lazarus was coming out of the grave and the mental image of, of uh, Jesus stepping into the grave uh, in replacement of, of Lazarus was... You know, very moving for me. You know, just from the standpoint of, uh, on a very personal level, what the sacrifice was, and you know, I, I it was always uh, kind of picturing, okay, ra- raising Lazarus from the dead, and that's the that's the image that you have, um, and what you know, I, I I never continued on with kind of that uh, imagery of, well, in order, in order to do that, Jesus stepped into the grave. Uh, wow. Um, and you know, just a what a beautiful way of saying, you know, uh, trying to give an example to Christ's sacrifice for us. And, and it, you you mentioned a couple things. One that it's real. Um, let's kind of dive into that piece in here because this is so classic Newman. He says in line fifty one that the Savior of the world is looked at in an irreverent and unreal way. And he uses that word unreal to set up this paragraph, and then he gets into incredibly realistic terms. On line 54, he says, in order that we may have that on which to fix our eyes, so Christ sojourned on earth so we have something to fix on, so we can view him in his particular and actual works. Peter, can you kind of take it from there and what you saw in this real piece that Newman is presenting to us as Christ presents himself in his humanity? Line 63 struck for me that, you know, uh, who is as really a living being and sojourn on earth as truly as any of us, that uh, we shall have at length believe in him with a, and I, I like this, with a convic- uh, conviction, 
a confidence, and maybe most important for me is is an entireness, uh, which can no more be annihilated than the belief in our own in our in our senses. Um, you know, the the, the gospels, uh, you know, uh, endeavor to lay out for us the the reality of of the presence of Christ in human form, uh, so that you know we may have, as you said earlier. Uh, something is not a mere idea or a vision, but a real, real presence, a real human uh, who is also uh, fully divine uh, to be the example of of what we should strive for. Yeah, you know, in that if that's just an image of ourselves, he says that, you know, we could gradually be changed, that image or that thought of Christ could be just a creation in our own mind. So the reality of a relationship with Christ becomes super important. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, another another conviction for, for Newman that, you know, the, the absolute uh, presence, uh, you know, Jesus there uh, as, as fully human, as fully divine, uh, there is no wavering. There is the, the absolute conviction, you know, the absolute confidence. Uh, and, and again, even using his words, the entireness uh, that uh, St. John Henry Newman uh, you know, has foundationally uh, that, that uh, Jesus uh, is God. Um, you know, is is uh, it pervades and it's uh, it, it's hard uh, to you know not pay attention to that and, and uh, uh, not get um, you know enthused by uh, his surety in that uh, that, uh, that I, I found and find very uplifting because he says in at the end of line sixty five he takes it from the real from the humanity of Christ into the divinity he says. It is impossible for a Christian mind to meditate on the Gospels without feeling beyond all manner of a doubt that he who is the subject of them is God. So he's, he's literally saying that when we meditate and when we sit and we look deeply at God, we come to understand God. We, we literally come to a deeper understanding by having this relationship and meditating on the Gospels. Peter, let's talk a little, little bit about what Newman dives into is why Jesus wept. He's got a number of kind of, oh, like you said earlier, um, they're fairly straightforward reasons, and that's if we contemplate the gospel on the surface, we come to those. Line 76, he says he wept from the very sympathy with the grief of others. Line 86 here, but is you know the very sight of Sympathy in another that affects and comforts comforts the sufferer more than you know more even the fruits of it. So you know weeping out of sympathy, as you read on seventy six, but also weeping uh, to uh, support uh, those who are suffering and around him. Yeah, he mentions the spontaneous tenderness, you know, of Christ yep. at ninety eight, but then he moves into this. Uh, it's number two on line one hundred three. This whole paragraph. I thought was incredibly powerful because he he mentions that Mary and Martha both in a way doubted. He uses the doubted that his judgment on line 113 he says such has been the judgment passed or the doubt raised concerning him when they say lord if thou had been here my brother had not died. So Newman says this is in the breast of the creature in every age. And I, I found it very fascinating what he was going to do next, because he starts to talk about Christ the Creator. 
he's moving into original sin. He's literally stock, talking about the sin because he says on line one fourteen, men ha- men have sit, have seen sin and misery around them, and whether in faith or unbelief, has said, "If thou had been here." So he's moving into Adam's fall because we go down to line one twenty, and he uses the language he reverted in thought to the hour of creation when he went forth from the bosom of the Father to bring all things into existence. He is weeping at the thought of man's fall from you know goodness, because he says later, he said, there had been a day when he had looked upon the work of his love and seen that it was very good. Once had been, had the good been turned to evil, the fine gold became dim. So this doubting that's occurring is doubting the living Son of God. Yeah, and up on line 106, where you know, visibly, visibly displayed the, the victory of death, right? Uh, and, and again, that re-hearkening to original sin. But, you know, that also, you know, as you look at Martha and Mary's uh, you know, typical human reaction of us asking God, you know, why did you let this happen? And, and you know, the, the, the doubt and the not trusting that you just alluded to, uh, you know, would have to be you know, painful. But, uh, you know, why do people still not believe in me? Why, why do people still not trust me? Uh, why is there still doubt? Uh, and and it, it seems, you know, all too often a human reaction of, uh, you know, God, why, why did you let this happen? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, you know, line 115, if, uh, you know, if thou hadst been here, if thou, thou hadst interfered, it might have been otherwise. You know, why didn't you do that? And, and uh, you know, weeping over the you know, kind of the futility or the frustration of, of uh, you know, we humans uh, that, uh, you know, were, were created in God's image uh, still have doubts. And, uh, you know, even... Even though a miracle is performed, uh, you know, humans still want to revert back to the uh, you know, less thankfulness for the for the uh, miracle and, and more uh, focusing on, well, why did we even need a miracle? Why didn't you you know create a world uh, in which you know miracles weren't required? And and so you know that uh, sympathy or that mourning for. I guess maybe the loss of innocence, which, as you said, harkens back to original sin, uh, was, you know, I think the second context that uh, John Henry Newman brought, brings up here in that, that the section two that starts on one, line 103. Yeah, he does even use the word innocence on 132 as he summarizes. He said, you know, that the, he's contrasting between Adam, who was innocent and immortal, and the man as the devil had made him, full of poison, of sin, and the breath of the grave. He ties this into this delay, this delay in actually coming to the grave of Lazarus. At the end of that little paragraph on 136, he said, he was but delaying the fulfillment of his own decree. Talk about the difference between the respite and the resurrection that Newman talks about for Lazarus. You know, Lazarus would suffer to die again someday, you know, from, from the standpoint of, you know, an example of, of, uh, you know, what resurrection really might be. But, you know, that, 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 that struck me as, you know, thinking about that from a human condition, 
right? Well, and you you mentioned it earlier this um, that we will die to be raised again, and in this next piece, one sixty five, that paragraph, he felt that Lazarus was wakening to life at his own sacrifice. So this entrance yeah. of Christ into the grave. Can you speak on that a little bit more? Because it, it's a beautiful piece in here where he summarized pretty much his his kind of existence on earth, and then now he's at the grave of Lazarus. Christ was bringing life to the dead by his own death. And then he further goes on to say he went to raise Lazarus, and the fame of that miracle was the immediate cause of his seizure and crucifixion. Line 180, a little further down there, that he was descending into the grave which Lazarus left. You know, there again, uh, to, to raise all believers from the grave, as he was then about to raise Lazarus, and to raise them not for a time, but for eternity. He said to Martha, look, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, shall never die. He raises Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, had no choice. Martha had a choice. We're witnessing Martha raising in her faith, like her faith is, is you know, of a saint is going to the next level, you know, because she, she's the one said, Lord, if you, you were here, it wouldn't have happened, as did Mary. And he says, Martha, you know, just like in the, in the kitchen, Martha, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So now he's revealing his true purpose to Martha and for us. Right. Yeah, and we can probably wrap this up with the last paragraph. Newman does help us with the presence of Christ, especially in this paragraph, because he says, wherever faith in Christ is, there is Christ himself. 195, there is Christ present. And then throughout this paragraph, he's using the word we, He's talking to us. So it's incredibly personal what he's doing doing here. And 203 says, we all have experience of this in the narrative before us. So we all are faced with this death of our loved ones. And so he uses these kind of terms, Newman does, to help us come to the same realization as he is, you know, where he is in his faith. That's what he's doing. He's pulling us along. What do you think of the personalism, Peter, in this last paragraph? You know, I, I think it's incredibly important. You know, I, I, I think the, you know, the certainty of, of Newman's faith, you know, is is simultaneously comforting. It's uh, simultaneously reassuring, but it's also challenging. You know, he says in the closing lines of this sermon here, you know, he will never put upon us more than we can bear never afflict his brethren with any woe except for their highest benefit. You will not be given anything more than you can bear. Um, your challenge and your charter will be to uh, you know, increase your faith, uh, be more assured of God's presence and love for you, and the you know, amount of questioning and despair that you may have uh, about your own afflictions uh, as you encounter the world uh, will be modulated, moderated, uh, with a with a, a counterbalance of, you know, the, the stronger conviction in in uh, your faith in Christ. Beautiful. I so thank you for being part of this. Well, and Ron, you know, thanks for your leadership. This is uh, 
I, I look forward to our conversations, uh, the additional insights and the, and, and the additional perspectives that we get by uh, sharing uh, you know, common sermons to, to, to review and discuss uh, are, are fascinating. Yeah, and you can see why um, we're reading these sermons 170 years later. Thank you very much for being with us, Peter. I look forward to seeing you on Monday nights. Sounds good, Rob. Thanks, Peter. She